We're going to be revisiting some well-worn paths this week, but each of them has a bit of a twist, Sue Williams. Certainly do. A couple of stories about defects. We're going to be looking at renovations in apartments uh, during lockdown, again, because it's even worse than we thought. We're going to be looking at pets, but not in strata, but in community schemes. Mm. And we've got a happy little story that's got Nothing to do with apartments, really, except that you wrote it. It was written in an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) That's a tenuous link, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's about as strong as I can get. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat check column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams. I write about property for domain. And this is the flat check wrap. So, uh, one positive story for apartment owners regarding defects that you've dug out, and another absolutely horrendous one. Oh, yes. What do you want first, the good news or the bad give news? Us the, give us the good news first. Okay, well, residents in a, a, an apartment building in Strathfield in Sydney won their fight against the developer about defects. There was right. lots, of de- lots of defects alleged in this building, including water, bad waterproofing and flammable cladding. Mm-hmm. And um, they won in the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled against the developers after the developers kind of pointed to everybody else and said, it's their fault, it's their fault, it's not our fault. It was the designers, it was the architects, it was the certifiers. But the Supreme Court of New South Wales disagreed and said right. it was their fault. And so they've ordered them to pay all the costs of remediation and the um, legal costs that the strata owners incurred in their fight. So what's the total cost to the developer? Um, so they're having to pay one point, just over $1.2 million to, to um, get fixed. all the defects yeah. fixed. And they're also paying the costs of 183000 that the unit owners incurred during their right. fight. So. Now, are we going to name these developers? I think we should. Okay, well, they're a husband and wife team, Antoine and Georgette Bachara. Right. Um, and they have a company called, or well, they have various companies, you know, where they kind of go yeah. through lots of different names. So the wife is a sole director and shareholder of Amaya Holding Limited. Yeah. And Mr. Bachara's company is Almeja Limited. Right. Almeja mm. and Almeja. That's right, yep. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm sure they'll be uh, doing their best to to lift their game in the future when it comes to any developments that they do under those names. Sure. And the certifiers, essential certifiers, have um, have now gone out of business. So they're not trading anymore at the moment. They've had lots of um, complaints about them as well. So they've essentially disappeared. <laughs> That's right. But at least it shows that, you know... You can win. Yes, absolutely. You can Hopefully win. that will give hope to a lot of other people fighting similar battles, really. And then you found another story. That was in the Daily Telegraph. This was also in the Daily Telegraph, was it not? Yeah, it was a new survey of 500 buildings completed in the past six years. In New South Wales? In New South Wales. The New South Wales building watchdog, David Chandler, said it showed that 36% of those yeah. had a major defect of some kind, ranging from structural faults to defective waterproofing, cladding, and fire safety systems. My God. 
So that's over a third. That's a huge number. OCN, the Owners Corporation Network um, Executive Officer Karen Stiles spoke about it as well, and she said she knows of one building yeah. where the defects are going to cost five hundred thousand to fix per apartment. Oh my per god! Per apartment, and the apartments themselves are only worth eight hundred fifty thousand. Can you imagine being in that kind of mess, really? Yeah. And Mr. Chandler was saying that a lot of the repairs at least are going to cost thirty to $50,000 per apartment in the apartment buildings that he surveyed. And Karen said, well, lots of people are going to have to go bankrupt or mm. you know, they're going to be suffering huge um, stress over that. Oh, there will be God. suicides, marriage breakdowns, the whole lot. You kind of think, oh, this toll of human misery that these developers – Mm. exact really on people and yet not one of them as far as i know has been sent to jail for being a really bad developer no that's very true you know and i think there's a point in these things where developers must know that they're cutting too many corners they're trying to do things too cheaply they're pulling money out of the the project to put in their own accounts rather than use it to build Mm. and then they just walk away yeah. At the end of it, they just walk away and start another company and do it to somebody else all over again. You that, kind of wonder how they can do that, don't you? I mean, just morally, really. I mean, would you be able to sleep at night knowing that you put – some of these um, thoughts are really life-threatening as well. Yeah. I mean, how could you sleep at night knowing that you're putting people and their families at risk in that way? I think these people really genuinely – they're almost verging on sociopaths. They don't – think other people matter and Mm. i'm not talking about the first couple we mentioned Mm. i'm talking about developers who go from one crap development to the next they are the ones you know they they basically think if you're stupid enough to buy an apartment from people like us then you deserve everything that's coming to you or maybe they they kind of think well they're doing a, a service to people by providing a roof over their head and an affordable kind of apartment and um, if there are any problems that come up later, well, they weren't—they didn't realise that that was going to happen. Do you really think they're that naive? And if they're doing it for the second or third time, are they really that naive? I kind of think they feel that they're going to—they're unlucky if the building shows huge faults. Really? Well, they don't supervise their their traders and their workers. Well, because they don't know. I mean, most of them, many of them have no experience in the building industry. Well, that's true as well. I mean, they just, they consider themselves entrepreneurs. I mean, we could go and borrow money tomorrow and, and call ourselves developers and find a plot of land and find a builder and find an architect and stick it up and never actually set foot in the place. Mm. And then when it started to fall down, say, oh, it wasn't us. Mm, <laughs> that's know? right. And, yeah. and by the way, we're we're shutting the business down, so there's no money for anybody. Mm. Yeah. We won't be doing that, folks. Certainly not. (laughs) But I know what you're saying, how can people sleep at night? But think about drug dealers, you know, drug importers, uh, Mm. you know, the Mm. people selling dodgy drugs to kids at music festivals. Mm. I've said this many times in the past, you know, when we were growing up, there was still a kind of sense of right and wrong. Mm. And then it kind of evolved during the 80s. Uh, the greed is good period it was well there's right and wrong and there's what can i get away with Mm, yeah and then it's become there's right and wrong and what can i get away with and if i don't get away with it 
how badly am I going to be punished? <laughs> so right and wrong is kind of a very uh, adjustable concept. Mm. I wonder if some of these people think there's always safety nets there for people. So when people get caught up in, you know, whatever terrible things that they're trading, these people will be rescued in some way by, you know, hospitals if they're trading in crappy dr- drugs right. or government rescue plans if they're if they're building terrible defective buildings. But unfortunately, they, those safety nets often aren't there at all. Well, when we first got into this through the apartment that we bought off the plan, a lot of our thinking was there's no way the government would allow this sort of thing to go on. It's so obviously fraudulent behaviour that it cannot be happening, except it was. Mm. And it took us a while to realise that the checks and balances and safety nets for people buying apartments just did not exist. No, because you just assume they're there. Yeah. But in our case, many years later, I talked to people who'd worked for the developer that we were dealing with. And they said, well, the developer basically felt that the apartments had been sold off too cheaply. So therefore, they felt that we'd got a bargain. So if we've got a few defects along with the bargain, that was, you know, that was all right and all well and good, really, that we'd have to pay for them. And then that would kind of even up the playing field in some way, which was kind of, which was interesting to, to see how they thought or maybe how they justified it to themselves later. Probably. But then I've just heard today a a new take on this, um, where a developer has written to all the people who deposited money for for an off-the-plan development and said the cost of materials have gone up, the cost of, of workers has gone up. I can no longer build this apartment at the prices that you have paid. This contract is therefore null and void. Wow. Can they do that? Well, this came from a lawyer, and apparently they can because it's somewhere in the contract. It must say that if these conditions are met, then the contract can be rescinded. Wow. Developers can make a huge amount of money from developments. Yeah. And if they cost them badly, they can make not very much money from developments. But that's part of the risk of business, isn't it? I think this is another variation of the sunset clawback. Yeah, sure. That they've gone, wow, the apartment prices, this is northern New South Wales, southern Queensland. Apartment prices here are going gangbusters, and we could have sold these apartments for a lot more. So let's just invoke these clauses. Mm, Quite possibly. Yeah. And then everybody's sitting there, they've got the deposit back, and it's not going to go as far as it would have when they put it down a year or two ago. Mm. Gosh, where there's developers, there are always loopholes to be discovered, aren't there? That's absolutely true. And Mm. we'll be talking about... A new loophole that's been discovered in renovations during lockdowns. That's after this. And we're back. I've been, we've been talking a lot about renovations during lockdown. And my column in the Fin Review at the weekend was likening it to the Brady Bunch. And we were talking about how, you know, you could only have two tradies per apartment but you could have as many apartments being worked on in a building as were available. And it turns out it's even worse. Oh, yeah. One of our readers has uh, written to me today and said that that 
limit of two workers only applies in occupied apartments. So in an unoccupied apartment, the limit is one worker per four square meters. Wow. So if if an apartment is, say, 50 square meters... That's 12 workers. If it's 100 square meters, it's 25. Working in there all at the same time. Working in there all the time, and there's no limits. Wow. So she's suffering from the noise from the building, and everybody else is suffering from the noise. The dust and the number of tradespeople coming through the common property all at once and in the lifts and stuff. Yeah. Now, I I just got this note today, so I'm going to – chase it up with New South Wales Health, who said they don't want to ever want to talk to me about renovations <laughs> again. I'm going to throw it at uh, Victor Dominello, the former uh, fair trading minister, and Stuart Ayres, another former fair trading minister, who are both in the crisis cabinet. They didn't. They haven't responded to anything. You know, they're basically just say, saying, we don't care. Well, why don't you also talk to Kevin Anderson's office? Well... He's not even in the crisis cabinet. Well, that's true, yes. You know, nobody's, <laughs> nobody listens to Kevin. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, training wheels have fallen off. He's, uh, you know, the story about Kevin last week was all about how his department didn't take seriously the possibility of the premier's ex-boyfriend needing, uh, a license to do all these real estate deals. Mm. They kind of just, you know, Kind Push of, it to the side. Yeah, yep. forgot about it. So, yeah, he's he's having a tricky time as it is. But really, you know, when you think about it, and, and of course now when there's a highest occupancy rate in apartments, rented apartments, and we've had for years, there's a lot of empty apartments around. A lot of people will be going, this would be a perfect time to do a renovation. And they might even think, oh, should I impose on my neighbours in this way by doing a renovation and they'll go, hey, the government isn't just saying it's okay, they're actively encouraging it, so Mm. let's go, Mm. let's do it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of responses we get on that. So I think we've done a lot about renovation, so I might just leave that at that. We'll take another little break and when we come back we're going to talk about pets because we never talk about pets. That's after this. And we are back. So you were chasing up to some extent the story about Scott McGregor out in, is it Camperdown? That's right. He's at the city quarter in Camperdown in Sydney. Many of the apartments there, many of the blocks, allow people to have pets. His apartment building allows people to have pets, but not dogs. So you can have cats and parrots and squirrels. But you can't, no, you can't have squirrels, but you can't have dogs. And he has been saying, well, now the laws have changed, um, we can now have dogs. So that's fantastic. So this was a law that came in last week that said you cannot have a bylaw that prevents people from having companion animals unreasonably. Yep, absolutely. So we all thought that's fine. He can keep his, his little dog and yep. he'll be happy. But apparently the community association, the overarching community association, which looks after all the blocks. Yeah are saying, well, no, we still don't want to allow dogs into that block of apartments. And because we control all the kind of entrances and and exits to the building, we're going to say that you can't – we're going to pass new bylaws to say you can't have your pets on any of those exits 
or entrances or any of the pathways around the building. So right. effectively, um, pet owners are saying that they won't, they'll have to kind of carry their animal out for a walk. <laughs> right. <laughs> they won't be allowed to kind of let their animal walk even on a leash. Um, and they're saying, unfortunately, it seems that the strata laws have changed, but communi- the community association laws are not changing yeah. in the same way. Right. Well, just for those of you who are not familiar with community title, strata title is where all the apartments in a building come under the same set of rules. Community title is when there's a whole bunch of strata buildings that share resources. You know, you could have four or five buildings in the same area, same immediate vicinity. They might share an underground garage, for instance. They mm. probably share sewage and, and water. And some landscaping. And, and access roads and things mm. like that. So they come under community title. And the basis of community title is that it brings all the, the buildings together, right? And the bylaws and community title are superior to the bylaws in any one of the buildings. So your building might say, well, we want to have pets, but if the community says, no, you can't have them, then that you can't have them. Mm. Now, the community title laws have not been updated for years, but they have been updated this year. Mm. And they're due to come into force at the end of this year. And what do they say about pets? Anything? They, that they're the same as the old strata laws. Oh, wow. So they're kind of out of step with the strata totally. laws. Totally. Maybe someone needs to look at that now. I feel that pet owners could challenge the community title laws on the basis of harsh, unreasonable, unconscionable, Unconscionable. Mm. and discriminatory. Mm. Because they could say, well, our strata buildings aren't allowed to have that law. Yeah. Yet you've got it. So Mm. that can't stand anymore. You've got to change your bylaw. Mm. Certainly would be worth a punt, wouldn't it? It certainly would, yeah. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know what they're planning to do there. It sounds like there's a lot of pet owners who are going to be very annoyed at having to carry their Great Danes over (laughs) (laughs) over the path. I mean, it's just nonsensical, isn't it, really? You know. The anti-pet lobby is quite obsessive when they get going, Mm. and and for no good reason. I was on James Valentine uh, last week, and a woman called up and she said, They'd, they'd had a problem with a couple who had a little dog. And the problem wasn't so much the dog, it was the couple. They were alcoholics and they didn't look after the dog properly. So they had a lot of hassles dealing with that. But they dealt with it. And then they said, how can we stop this happening again? And somebody had the bright idea of saying, well, we ban all pets from the building. <laughs> And they went, yeah, that's great. That means we'll never have this problem again. So she was quite upset that the new laws were coming in that were going to rescind that and say you cannot have that bylaw. Which is ridiculous because it was the alcoholic couple who were causing the problems rather than their pet. Yes. But, you know, when people get a simple solution that doesn't affect them, Mm. you've got you don't want to have a dog, you don't want to have a cat. And you don't want to have any hassles with people who do have dogs or cats, then you think, well, the simple solution is get rid of the dogs and cats. And mm. that's not an option anymore. It'll be interesting to see how this community title thing plays out. I wonder if there's going to be an amendment made mm. to bring so. it into line with yeah. strata law. Yeah, you'd think that would make huge sense. It would, but you know, 
talking about common sense and talking about fair trading. Don't often get those two phrases in the same sentence. <laughs> oh, yes. Animals. Yes. I did a really cute story this week. Isn't it? I'm sorry, it's nothing to do with apartments really, but it was just such a lovely story. I really enjoyed writing it. It was a, a, a waste removal guy and his girlfriend were out doing their rounds. Yeah. And they were emptying some dumpsters outside a restaurant. And there was lots of styrofoam boxes, so they just went through them, just checked that they were empty. And in one of them, there was a tiny little crayfish all shriveled up and black. Right. But he looked as if he was still alive. All right. So they felt really sorry for it. So they took it to, to their van. Yeah. And they looked up on their mobile phone to see how you should treat a crayfish. And they discovered the crayfish are fresh water. And you can't put them in tap water because there's too many chemicals. Right. So they went and bought four big bottles of mineral water, poured it into the styrofoam box. And immediately, the little crayfish started jerking around and moving. And his his little claws started clapping again. And he started showing all these signs of life. So they took him home that night yeah. and he started looking better and better. The guy didn't sleep all night because this thing was making so much noise in the stove. <laughs> and then the next day they phoned up the Sea Life Aquarium at Sydney Harbour and yeah. the Animal Rescue Centre there and said, look, we've got this crayfish. We don't know what to do with it. And they said, oh, bring it in. So they brought it in and the aquarium put it into quarantine for two weeks. Right. But we all have to go into quarantine. We'll yeah. go anywhere now. Because it was from West Australia. That's yeah. right. They thought it was probably from West Australia. Then at the end of his two weeks quarantine, he was fine, healthy, no diseases. So they, they named him Pinchy. Do you right. remember Pinchy the lobster from, from um, The Simpsons? From The Simpsons. And unfortunately, Homer boiled him to death in warm water by mistake. Yes. But um, that was a terrible terrible yes. end for that one but this this crayfish is now in a big tank in the aquarium right and he's got all these new friends because he's in this tank with yabbies which are another type of crayfish yeah and um lots of different fish and turtles and apparently it's settled in really really well all right isn't that gorgeous it is and good on this couple for saving a crayfish i mean the woman's mum said to her why don't you bring it back here? It will taste beautiful in butter. But she said, no, I'm going to – he deserves to be saved because he'd survived for four days, they reckon, yeah. on his own. He'd just been overlooked by the restaurant staff who'd been unpacking the boxes. Yeah. And they thought, wow, if he survived, he fought to survive for four days, he deserves a second chance at life. And All right. And the woman was saying, you know, I, I think this is just such a great story for these times because we're all a bit fed up with COVID and mm. restrictions. And, it, you know, if Pinchy can survive and fight on, we all can. Absolutely. And I thought that was lovely. And so once the aquarium opens again. Pinchy could be a star attraction. I think they'll be using him in the World Cup. They're oh, like, to, how he to predicts the results like that octopus <laughs> did before. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Pinchy's really. predictions for, <laughs> for these tonight's big match. Yeah, I look forward to that. That's good. That is a lovely story. And yes, you're right. It has nothing to do with apartments. No. But what the hell? We live in apartments and we're entitled to smile along with everybody else. <laughs> Sue, thank you for bringing that to us and for your contribution again this week. Pleasure, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
or your favourite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.